This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. Hi, this is John Bateman, and you're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast. And today I'm speaking with Maya Fleischman. Hey, Maya. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Doing fine. How are you doing? You can call me Johnny. I, I just want to get this out there right away. Maya and I are related. She's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm very glad. <laughs> so yeah, you, ha- you can call me Johnny, definitely. Perfect. Okay. Um, Maya, the name of the podcast is Our Anxiety Story. So what's your anxiety story? So I didn't really recognize that I had anxiety until far into my anxiety story. Um, Ever since I was probably four years old, um, I was having, you know, like the childhood symptoms. Um, My it was just very focused on perfectionism, on making sure that I did everything perfectly. Um, If I got a 99% on an assignment, all I could think about was where did that 1% go? What did I do wrong? Oh God, my teachers are going to be disappointed. My parents are going to be disappointed when really I was just, what I've learned is just catastrophizing. I was just so certain that the worst possible outcomes was going to happen. And so I lived a lot of my childhood like that um, until I was about 15, which is when I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big change for me because for the first time I had the words to describe all the things I'd been feeling ever since mm-hmm. I was like a little girl. And um I started therapy pretty much immediately, which has been like the most influential part of my journey, I'd say. So has that, has that therapy has continued for you sort of from that point on? So I still see um, my therapist biweekly and I just find that it is probably the most helpful thing that's happened to me just because there's it's very difficult for me at least to look at all of the things that I'm worrying about and find a way to sort them and come compartmentalize them um and they seem to stack up and get overwhelming and so with a therapist what that helps me do is kind of tackle one problem at a time think about like you know like what's a specific issue like why is it bothering me what can I do to fix it and just having that third person there to facilitate those conversations and really just to listen to you and just be a non-judgmental um third party it's just invaluable to me yeah, I'm curious. So when you were younger, um, so how old do you think you were when you sort of have that had that first kind of lucid experience of feeling, you know, physically feeling different, how, like feeling feeling a swell of anxiety? How old would you say you were that, that you remember that first happening? Um, I think I was about six years old, and it was in school, and basically I had. Um, I had an assignment in the class and what I always excelled at was math. And because of that, I derived a lot of my self-worth from my performance in math and kind of took like my identity from that. And so one day the teacher, I was having an issue with a problem and like teachers do like to collaborate with other students said, well, why don't we have this other student look at it with you? 
and I started sobbing. I had to run to the washroom. I was nearly hyperventilating. Um, I, and I couldn't understand or neither could my teacher really understand like why I was having such a strong reaction to the very normal experience of being helped with your math homework as a child. Um, so that was definitely the first experience where I thought, you know, my reactions aren't exactly proportional to what seems to be happening around me. And so you, you mentioned hyperventilating. So was that, is that sort of how, and, and later on, you know, you're diagnosed with GAD, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, which by the way, uh, me too. And um, so you, you, you mentioned crying, you mentioned hyperventilating. Is that kind of how anxiety manifests itself to you? Or, or, or do you have sort of, you know, kind of like a, a more traditional kind of that, a feeling of panic? I guess we all, I guess what I'm getting to is, you know, where do you feel anxiety when you, when you get it? When yeah. you have anxiety, where does it sit? Like, what does it look like? What does it feel like for you? When I describe it to other people, and especially going through the journey of describing it to my mom, who I'm very close with, um, I describe it as it always starts in my chest. It feels like there's like, almost like like a crank in there, like it's just compressing and compressing. And usually that's when I'm able to step in at this point in my journey and use mindfulness techniques and breathing exercises and deescalate the situation. But if I'm unable to do that, then it usually does manifest itself in the hyperventilation, in the sobbing, in that, um, in that very physical becoming overwhelmed with all of the thoughts and with all of the feelings going on in my head at the same time. Did it get to a point, I mean, you, you talk about having anxiety, you talk about, you know, excelling in school, which I, I just know from knowing you that you have excelled in school. Um, and, you know, you moved into post-secondary uh, easily and, uh, and still in math. And we talked about earlier before the interview that you'd switched over to something else. But um, did it affect you day to day? Like, did, it, did, it, did anxiety limit your ability to perform? Definitely. Um, when I was in high school, which I'd probably describe as the worst period of my anxiety, just because I hadn't found the right mix of medication and therapy, and I didn't quite have the strategies I needed to deal with what I was feeling. Um, during that period, I was able to successfully complete high school, but there was a time when I was skipping classes, when I'd have to stay home multiple days a week, um, I'd show up to class only to start crying publicly in the middle of one or having to run to the washroom. And so it was a very physical barrier to my education in my personal experience, um, but something that I was able to manage the more that I worked on it. And for especially sure. now in university. Yeah, for sure. And um, did it you, know, you talk about having generalized anxiety disorder, people who don't know what generalized anxiety disorder, it's kind of that it's it, your anxiety can definitely migrate from one thing to another pretty easily. Did you have your anxiety migrating from say scholastic issues to, you know, personal issues, peer issues, that family issues to your anxiety kind of jump around like that? Definitely. So it would basically like the smallest thing could happen in my day that would set me off. Like whether I, said something wrong to someone, said something grammatically incorrect that I thought I'd be judged for, just very small things. And immediately it would just, my anxiety would spiral to things that weren't even related. I'd start thinking, 
you know, like, this is why I'm having issues with like my peers. Like, this is why having issues with my family. Like, this is like why, like I'm having issues all around. Like it's all my fault because I make these small avoidable errors. And it took, it took a long time for me to kind of stop the anxiety in its tracks but so when like I get overwhelmed over one thing like for example like over relations with peers I'm able to stop that and say you know this is the problem I'm focusing on right now this doesn't have anything to do with what's going on with my grades or with my family like those are other issues like what we need to focus right now is like the pressing matter yeah it's interesting you've mentioned a couple of times um sort of coping mechanism. It's you, you've spoken the language a little bit to me of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, when you talk about catastrophizing, you know, we talk about thought traps. Um, so is that something like, did you study any, did, did you learn any cognitive behavioral therapy in, in your trajectory through anxiety? So I worked on cognitive behavioral therapy with my therapist a lot during my journey with anxiety. Um, just because the premise alone just really interested me, just basically like rewiring like the like traditional like places that your brain goes in like response to like different situations. And um, basically like what you just said, the thinking traps, that was a very important concept for me because that's where you sit down, you look at the issue that you're dealing with, like what you're feeling anxious about, what is overwhelming you. And you go through thinking traps, thinking, am I catastrophizing? Am I, which means, am I thinking about the worst possible thing that can happen? Am I blaming? Am I um, using black and white thinking? Like, Mm -hmm. am I doing any of these things to make it harder for me to see reality and to see maybe that my issues are more minimal than how they seem in my head um, instead of allowing myself to fall into these traps and, go into the blaming of myself and go into the black and white thinking and the, the worst is going to happen. It's just so important for me to be able to recognize those traps before I fall into them. So do you practice, I mean, did you do any, uh, I've tried, oh my gosh, I, 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 we don't have enough time to sit here and list all the different tools that I've worked on. I've tried. Um, but, uh, I found cognitive behavioral therapy to be very, very helpful for me too. Um, did you, did you, ever do thought records like did you have to write it down or do you do it on the fly like how does that work for you in terms of recognizing thought traps and then and then kind of steering them in a different direction well being like a gen z like my smartphone is like my like number one aid and so i actually have um a lot of mental health apps but i have one in specific where basically um i input my problem And so I have it written there and then they specifically like go through each thinking trap and you say, okay, am I using black and white thinking? Like, yes or no. Like, am I like using like blaming others? Like, yes or no. And it goes through that. And then um, it like recommends meditations for you that like work best for you. Meditations have also helped me an immense amount. Um, and it recommends like breathing exercises and basically what your next course of action should be. Mm-hmm. So I feel like kind of like all those developments in mental health apps where there's so many of them for like so many different fits, that's been extremely helpful as well. Do you, I, I'm, you know, you talk about going through it in high school. When I went through anxiety in high school, uh, 
gosh, I didn't even really, I guess I kind of knew what it was. I, I had a, a name for it and it's always such a big deal getting a name for it. Uh, but I didn't talk about it to any of my friends, um, you know, and I'm thinking about you talking about, you know, being the a generation that's plugged into social media that, that's yeah. really part of your life. Um, how, what, what was it like? Like, what was it like for your friends? Did they know what you were going through when you're going through anxiety? Yeah. So basically my, my close group of friends, and this is still the case, they knew very intimately my experience with anxiety, just because like my symptoms manifested themselves physically a lot, um, like mm. with crying, like with hyperventilating. And so it was something that was talked about with them, just because I didn't want to worry them or scare them. But in addition to that, um, I posted a lot of activism on social media about mental health and mental illness and about the stigmas against different mental illnesses. And so it was pretty well known within my school that um, whatever I struggled with, that I was struggling with some mental illness. And that really, I found it really freeing in a sense, like knowing that like, I didn't have to hide this part of myself that I could have really easily just been really ashamed of and just hidden away. Um, it, it was challenging in the fact that, you know, people talking about you, people making assumptions about you based on like the stigma around mental health, but it was also nice, like knowing that it was not like a like secret I had to keep about myself. For sure. Did you, did you receive any negative pushback? Like say on social media um, when, you know, like, so basically what you're talking about is you're talking about basically, I don't want to use the term coming out because that's, <laughs> but you know, be, become, I, I just say, you know, becoming transparent or, or you know, yeah. talking about my mental health issues. Um, did you, did, because it's it feels like it's taking a bit of a risk when you do that. And, and it took me a long time to do that. Um, did you feel any kind of, pushback did you have any pushback on social media did anybody you know troll you or anybody you know directly kind of bully you or anything like that well my my main concern really was you know like with like careers like if I was like out and like open about having a mental illness like I didn't want it to affect like places I was like applying to and like you know like workplaces thinking that like I wasn't like as capable a worker so that was a big concern. But um, as far as direct pushback from my peers, I received in person a lot of um, comments like such as like, you know, like your anxiety is just an excuse. It's all in your head. Um, you're using this to get attention. Um, just those things, which were words that really stayed with me for a long time. But um, the more research that I do into mental illness and the more that I come to understand my own mental health the more that I see that you know that's just a case of people being misinformed and it's just a case of education and just needing to raise awareness and fight the stigma against mental health. Completely uh, education is the is the thing I mean it would be it, you know what jumps into my mind when I hear that and it's also because, you know, you're my cousin, my cousin's daughter. So, of course, my my hackles get up when I hear about anybody treating you that way. But when anybody's treated that way, you know, the, the, the word that jumps into my mind is ignorance. But I don't think that's a way to 
to um, tackle that situation. Like you say, it, it is education and, and um, by you, uh, you know, you doing what you've done in terms of advocacy and opening up about it, you know, you're certainly doing the entire, like everybody is serviced by doing that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I was talking to uh, actually the executive director of Anxiety Canada today and, and I've interviewed a few people your age and um, oh man, I, if I kind of knew what, you know, you guys knew, you know, if I kind of knew that at that age, it's just, you know, your generation is quite amazing in terms of, of that, in terms of having that kind of bravery and, and taking on that kind of advocacy. Before the um, before we started the interview, um, we talked a little bit about your school and that you were doing before you were doing math and what was it something else? Two Computer things. Computer science. Computer science. Okay, and you you mentioned to earlier in the interview that you really excelled at that. Yeah. Um, at what point did you do you feel like at what point did you realize that it doesn't matter that you were excelling at it that you really you craved something different and and when did you decide to take action on that? So that really all occurred last year because I realized that I was pretty much still living my like identity as like the 13 year old girl who's like first starting to like feel the effects of anxiety. Because for me, what helped, what I thought helped at the time was having a very clear path was I go to school, I get my math and computer science degree, I get a job working for a bank. I like, this is my life. And it took me, a lot of courses that I just found that I didn't enjoy and just a lot of personal reflection to find like you know this doesn't like fulfill the creative parts of myself and like what like I think I want to be like doing like with my like purpose of my life and so like I really can't express how much like changing my major and going into um, an education track that like I feel really like suits me and my passions like that's helped my mental health so much because I no longer feel like I'm like almost like an imposter like pretending to like just go along the motions of like what I'm like supposed to be doing to like reach my end goal like I feel like every day I'm like making decisions for like the person I want to be today which is just an amazing feeling. Yeah. And that again is, you know, it's, it's amazing that you've done that. You're, you're ahead of the game because a lot of people, my goodness, a lot of people go sometimes their entire lives um, doing something that they kind of think they're supposed to be doing, you know, that whole imposter thing that you're talking about, that is, that's, that anxiety creates that. And in that, that imposter feeling can create anxiety. Um, definitely uh, how that works. So you're, you plan on, so do you plan on getting into, teaching like is that what you is that what it is you want to do or do you have a do you have a plan at this point for that well so my tentative plan right now is to get my law degree after I get my bachelor's and um I think it would be really nice to go into family law just like my mom did um just because I really love working with people and helping people and I've just been able to see like what she's done and so proud of my mom who went back to school to become a lawyer and um I just really feel like that's like a career that, like I would be very like happy like pursuing and that I would find very personally fulfilling mm -hmm. and do you hope to kind of even in your personal side of things continue you know advocacy as well continue being open and 
honest mm-hmm. about what you've gone through? Yeah, advocacy is always very important to me. Um, I'm like, I have my mental health issues, um, my mental illness. Um, I'm a queer woman. I um, care very much about the environment. And so it's extremely important for me um, to make sure that awareness is always being spread about a myriad of issues that are impacting our society today. And so whatever I decide to do with my career, whether I go into law or otherwise, um, I hope that will always be an important part of it. Well, it sounds like to me, I mean, if those issues are important to you, which is fabulous, um, you have the potential to create real change. If you're going to get into law, you have the potential to actually create real change. And if you continue to have this ability to talk about, you know, what you've gone through, um, it's there, there's a great deal of power. I found that as soon as I kind of became transparent about my mental health issues, I was blown away by the number of people that approached me. Um, and, you know, want to talk about it or they had it or their kid had it or their father or mother has it. Um, so you definitely have got yourself in a position to, to make a real difference. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's inspiring to, to hear your story about this. Thank you so much. That means a lot. It, well, Maya, I, I have to say, uh, since I've known you your whole life, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And I am, I can't express how proud I am of you that you're doing this. And, I, and I'm really so happy you appeared on my podcast to help, you know, make our voices louder. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Johnny. And thank you so much for having me on here today. Anytime. We'll do it again sometime. Thank Take you. care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.